The following program is an original WWE podcast. Coming up, we celebrate VD. Valentine's Day, of course, you sicko. Love is in the air, so I've invited my better half to join me on the podcast. Also, we will be chatting with a man with an endless supply of love for steaks, weights, and Mandy Rose. And I promise you, we're going to learn some things about Otis you never thought you wanted to know. There's a lot to get into. Carmella and Otis are here, and ATB starts, uh, wait for it, now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. I haven't lost my first nor last name just yet. Don't give anybody any ideas. So much went down this week. We saw the launch of the XFL. I was glued to my television all weekend. It was awesome, but alas, this is not a football podcast. If you're a football fan, go find it. XFL, it's worth your time, I swear. Uh, The Oscars happened. Everybody's upset about that for one reason or another. I haven't seen any of the movies, so I have no opinion. Imagine that. Let's focus on more important things. Like the time I tried to turn myself into a human popsicle, I, Corey Graves, became Demolition Man this week. And here to tell you all about it, you all may know her as the Princess of Staten Island on Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. I know her as the human being I currently cohabitate with until I open my big stupid mouth and get myself in trouble. Carmella, how are you, my dear? I am just great. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I would have given you a longer, more in-depth introduction, but I still hold a grudge from the fact that yesterday you forced me to stand in a negative 170-degree human freezer. You loved it, okay? Stop acting like you didn't. You loved it. I am sick. I got off the plane this morning. I can't breathe. It's because you're not near me. That's why. You're Mm. away from me. You're You're having like separation anxiety, and you know what? I don't really blame you. Mm, I think the separation anxiety is more so for the four-legged being nearby, Mr. Pancake. Oh, wait, are you admitting you like him now? I did no such thing. I will. Uh, I just felt compelled to acknowledge him in case we hear the incessant squeaking of his favorite pizza toy throughout the duration of this interview. <laughs> he's currently staring out the window because it's snowing, so he's like people watching and looking at the snow fall down. He's like Tremendous. an old man. He is like an old man, just like me. Um, (laughs) So on to more important business than my being an old man in my free time uh, to that point. There's a very common misconception that we in WWE have free time. There is no such thing as free time, only time. And I have experienced firsthand your ability to make the most of it, even though you haven't necessarily been on SmackDown very frequently in the past few months prior to last week. You have been a very busy, busy girl. Tell the the after-the-bell faithful how you've been biding your time. Well, let's see here. Um, Well, we moved, so that was a pretty big, pretty big move. Spent a lot of time, you know, looking for places, decorating our place, making it the fabulous home that it is, along with, you know, working on my wine, Capo Cagna. So that's been taking up a lot of my time, just trying to really like, as you know, grind and get it out there because I'm just doing everything on my own and trying to build this boss bitch brand. I don't know if I can say that. Maybe you can bleep that out. Oh, I mean, if you say it, I'll get in trouble for it anyway, so it's no big deal. <laughs> so t- tell me a little bit of how you got into the the wine world. As you and many people know, I am a big fan of 
the beverages of the adult variety, uh, but I wouldn't know where to begin starting my own beer or whiskey brand. How does one come to to find that world? Man, it took so much, you know, research and time. I just honestly reached out to so many different wine companies and um, out in California, and a lot of people were like, "Hell no! Like, get out of here! Like, I want nothing to do with you." <laughs> and then there were a few that bit back, and then one in particular was this family um, called Morgan Hill Family, um, Michael Solberg Family Wine, out in um, Morgan Hill, California, and they were like looking for something to do with somebody, you know, um, have sort of a collaboration, and we've just been working on it ever since. And I mean, they're the ones that make the wine, but I'm the one that came up with the entire brand and the look and the labels and all of that. So it's just been such, it's been like almost two years in the making. And this has taken up a great deal of your time. In addition to the crazy hectic schedules we keep as members of the WWE, you're on the road doing appearances, doing all sorts of stuff all over the place. Yeah. And it's like trying to put time aside. Luckily, you know, my schedule has been a little bit lighter as of late, which is nice. So I've been able to focus a lot more on, you know, building that brand. And your free time now being spent in the greatest city in the United States of America, (laughs) Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, You can go ahead now and admit it publicly for the world to hear (gasps) that you are a full-blown yinzer, as we say, in the city. Okay. I... It pains me to admit this, but I love Pittsburgh. I really do. I'm loving it. And you know, obviously more than anyone, I was super hesitant because like I'm from New England and I was living in Florida. I was living in this, you know, on the beach in this amazing condo and I picked up everything and moved here and I was definitely having my doubts. However, I think I've, you know, adjusted more to Pittsburgh than you have since we've been here. I'm like obsessed. I'm like, oh, we're going to try this. We're going to go here. We're going to do that. Am I right? I still take full responsibility for your love of Pittsburgh. The first night we moved into our place before we even had furniture, as some of it hadn't been delivered, the rest of it was in transit. We had two chairs that I built with my own bare hands. <laughs> you are such a carpenter. It's like so hot. I can't I'm, I'm, it. Yeah, I'm basically a jack of all trades. Um, <laughs> Master and, of that. And we ate Permani Brothers sandwiches in front of our scenic picturesque front window and uh i think it was in that moment that you decided that uh you were a pittsburgh it was it was amazing honestly i just love it here i love like obviously we're downtown and we can just walk everywhere and try new things and pancake loves it you know and that's like a big factor he loves walking around the city and peeing on everything that he can what what are your thoughts on uh pancake our dog being a bigger star than either one of us Oh, I mean, it was only a matter of time. How can you not be obsessed with this little thing? He's just the cutest. And I love the fact that you act like you don't like him, but you're more obsessed than I am. I look under our sink last night, and there's like 15 different treats under there, and I only got him maybe like three of them. So what's that say about you? I need to make sure that my dog is well taken care of, okay? Don't be jealous, and I promise I won't bring up your need to buy 15 different varieties of dips for Babe, your snacks. come on. You said you weren't going to talk about that. I did, and I lied. I lied boldly to your face. This is honestly the hardest interview I've done since I've begun here on After the Bell because this is the only interview that I could potentially get in trouble for when I actually leave the studio. <laughs> yeah, so you better watch it. Um, yeah, so I... I 
my producers were like, hey, what do you want to talk to Carmela about? And I said, I don't know. I live with her. We talk all the time, basically <laughs> all day, every day. This shouldn't be a problem. I like how you're asking me about my wine as if you don't know. Well, I know, like, but hey, this isn't about Peter, me. How'd you get in the wine business? <laughs> You suck. I'm trying to help you out here. I'm trying to give you a platform. I am. You're doing great. You're doing amazing. I can't stand you. you. You're the worst. <laughs> Let me interview you. Can All I? All right, please. Let's question? do. Let's flip the script here. It's Valentine's okay. week. Let's let's flip the script here. Okay, I have a question for you. What is it like to date the most amazing, talented, um, driven, charismatic superstar? In the WWE. Well, I will ask Otis because he is my other guest <laughs> on this show on this same episode. So um, take that. Thanks a lot, babe. <laughs> no. So back to me, me saying this is like the most difficult interview. Uh, it was actually yesterday when we were at the human meat chamber that uh, I was having a discussion with the young lady behind the counter about what it's like to call your matches, which is very strange to me because the members of the WWE universe that know that watch total divas and follow us on social media know about our personal life to an extent, sure. but the vast majority of the people who watch SmackDown, which is, you know, a couple million viewers probably don't exactly know. Right. Also as traditional wrestling alignments go, you are more of a good guy these days, whereas I tend to lean toward the villainous side. Uh, sure. So there's a really weird dichotomy, and I want to go, oh, I have to cheer for her, and I want to cheer for her, but it doesn't make sense if I cheer for her. So basically what I'm doing is publicly asking you to become a detestable human being on TV <laughs> so that I can enjoy my own job again. <laughs> I don't have to get all the tweets like, oh, my God, can you believe Corey Graves said that about Mandy Rose or Corey Graves said that about Alexa Bliss? Like, give me a break. Yeah, Especially so what's, what's that like? That Tell, like? Yeah. Talk to me about that because we, I know we, you and I, I mean, as much as we talk about work at home, we generally try to keep the negative sure. minutiae out of the conversation. So what's it like having to be on the other end, the receiving end of the backlash that I so often stir up of my own? Oh, yeah. well, let me tell you how much time do we have because, man, there's <laughs> been quite some feedback. I mean, it's just funny to me because the fact that people think that I'm, I'm, awesome friends with Mandy. I love Alexa. Like we're good, great friends. It's hilarious. You know, I think it's funny. And like all we're doing on TV is we're playing these characters. Obviously you have to do your part. They do their part. I do mine. It is what it is. And the fact that anyone thinks it's like, like people are like, Oh, of course now Corey's saying this or Corey's saying that. It's just funny to me. Like why the hell would I care what you say on air about another character? They'd be like, Oh, I can't believe you said that about Drew McIntyre. Like who cares? <laughs> Is there something I need to know about you and Drew? Oh, my God. That's not what I mean. I mean, someone just tagged me in a tweet. I'm just, you know, just using the information provided me. Oh, what'd they say? I'll tell you when I get home. Oh, uh, okay. okay. No, isn't it's funny, though, that, that being in, you know, the entertainment industry in any way now and the culture being what it is, it's like the, this whole uh, tattletale culture almost, basically. I'll say something oh, ridiculous yeah. or make a joke on television that I think is obviously absurd and obviously and a joke. And the time, I think it's hilarious. Like, I'm laughing at the stuff you – or most of the time, I'm laughing at the stuff you say. It's right, hilarious. And they, and they tag you to tell on me, so I'm going to be like, yeah, oh. Yeah, as if I don't know. You think I'm not going to, like, watch the product or know what you're saying? You're just saying it, like, in secret. <laughs> hey, wrestling expert one two three four five. I saw you at the strip club the other night. What's your wife's handle? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I can't with you. Oh, you better figure it out. I mean, it's been a while, but we've got hopefully. But it's funny, like, when you go on your little Twitter rant sometimes and say things, like, obviously all of us are allowed to think and say whatever we want. doesn't mean, like, because you say something, I agree with it or vice versa. But, like, you say one thing and then everyone comes at me, like, can't believe you're dating him. Can't, you know what? I admire the fact that you say these things and have your own opinion and don't care what people think. So screw everyone else. <laughs> So now you find yourself back in the uh, the fray on Friday Night SmackDown. How's that for a segue? That was maybe my worst one ever, but I told you I'm very <laughs> flustered right now because of that meat locker you stuck me in yesterday. Oh, I, that sounds really bad. Okay, dude, um, I keep bringing this up, so so maybe I should elaborate. <laughs> that we actually went to this pretty amazing wellness spa outside of Pittsburgh, and for the first time, I experienced cryotherapy, which I never in a million years had any interest in really or need for uh, because I am not not an athlete in any way, shape, or form anymore, as you so often remind me. (laughs) So it was, uh, yeah. So I got down in my underwear in front of a perfect stranger and uh, put ACDC on the radio and went into a walk-in closet that went down to what, negative 170 degrees? Yeah, it was awesome. And I, I, I mean, you guys, I dragged him along with me. Like, I didn't think you would actually like it. So we did that. We sat in the sauna for like, what, 40 minutes? It was like 100. What was it up, up to? 140 degrees or something? Super hot. And then we did IVs. So we had a full on day of wellness. And I was very proud of you. So we, we super cooled my body. Then we superheated it. And then we put a whole bunch of vitamins into my veins. And, uh, and then we came home and drank wine, so it kind of like negated everything. <laughs> right. We also, however, did go to Whole Foods for the first time in my life, and uh, I felt better than everybody else on the planet when I left. I understand oh the whole Why pretentious do you act nature. like it has this whole thing? Like, you can still go there, and I mean, do I think I'm better than everybody? No. So come on. The jury's still out on that one. I freaking hate you so much. Anyway, can we go back to the other point about me being involved in SmackDown again? Yeah, that's where I was trying to go. You you threw me on an aside. Well, you're talking about meat lockers and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so you're back on Friday Night SmackDown, back in the in the title picture where your longtime friend Bailey is the SmackDown women's champion, and it's been well documented for a long time that you and Bailey have been really close friends. And I think it was yesterday that you reminded me it was about four years ago since the first time that you and Bailey had stepped in a ring together in NXT. Uh, What's it feel like for you professionally to kind of be back in this position on a bigger stage? Well, it's crazy to think four years ago. I mean, Bailey and I have only had one match against each other, and that was in NXT, and that was for the title. And um, I mean, man, I had only been wrestling at the time for it was probably less than two years. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Not that I know anymore now, but um, to know where we're at now and like I have been a champion, I've been, you know, Miss Money in the Bank. I've done some things in my career now and to know that like she's obviously, I don't know what is going on with her. You know how close I was with her. We're like best friends. Um, So I don't know. I'm just excited for having this opportunity and apparently it's going to happen on Friday, which I just found out last night. So I'm ready, I'm excited, and I'm ready to become two-time SmackDown champion. And that's why we are forced to have Twitter, because you actually found out about the match while we were sitting on the couch during Raw. Yeah. We'd be having a title match this Friday. I was like, what the hell? And uh, like, I had no idea that it was going to be this soon. I was hopefully waiting for you know a bigger stage, maybe a pay-per-view, maybe a showdown, maybe WrestleMania. I don't know. And now it's going to be this Friday, but I'm going to be ready for it. 
Okay, and so now that you've had this seasoning, you just mentioned all your accolades, and, and you're obviously a much different, more evolved performer than you were when you first came up from NXT. What do you have your sights set on now? What, in the, in the grand scheme of things in WWE, can Carmella still accomplish? I feel like I have so much more to accomplish. I mean, I feel like I talk to you about this all the time, but like, you know, for the last year and a half, I was just kind of running around with truth and doing this whole comedy thing. And that's great. And I feel lucky that I'm able to, you know, mold into these different sort of characters and show different sides of my character. But I feel like it couldn't be better timing, you know, Truths on Raw, I'm on SmackDown now. I'm ready to get back in the mix and show everyone what I can do because, I mean, even myself, I feel like sometimes I forget the things that I've accomplished. So I really want to remind everyone, including myself, what I'm capable of, um, especially against one of my old best friends, Bailey. I'm, like, so freaking excited to just get back in there and do what I can do. You have to get revenge for our beloved dog because as far as anyone's concerned, Bailey tried to kick Pancake last time he was at TV. That's my narrative. That's what I'm pushing out into the world. How dare she kick my dog? She is a bad, bad person. <laughs> Where can the uh, After the Bell listeners check out Capo Kanya? At Capo Kanya on Instagram or capocanya.com. C-A-P-O-C-A-G-N-A. It's Italian. So I know a lot of people call it Capo Cagna. You can call it that if you want. I don't care what you call it. Just buy it. We call that Pittsburghese. Capo Cagna. <laughs> Is there anything you're willing to reveal that you are working on, or am I being forced to hold all your cards close to my vest as well? Yeah, I mean, we can't just let it all out right now. So we got to... I just I will say for anyone that is in the Pittsburgh area, the couple Kanye wine will be available soon and some restaurants around here. So stay tuned. We're gonna do a big launch party and all that. So if you want in, you want the couple Kanye, you gotta just stay tuned for that. I'm excited. And before I let you go, I cannot let you leave without trying to embarrass you at least a little bit. Um yeah. it is the Valentine's Day week episode of After the Bell. So give me the Cliff's Notes version of the worst date you've ever been on. The worst date I've ever been on. And I cannot be involved in the story or else I'll have my (laughs) editors cut it out immediately. Oh, man. The worst date I've ever been on. I don't feel comfortable saying this in front of you. Well, it's you have to now. (laughs) Okay. I went on a date with this guy. And I was it was like a blind date. I'd never met him. So I was there. And was not interested at all whatsoever. So halfway through the date, he went to the bathroom. I picked up the check because I was like, I just feel bad that this guy is so lame. I just want to leave. Picked up the check. As I was getting ready to go, I had ordered an Uber and I was walking out and he came out of the bathroom and caught me leaving and it was so embarrassing and I felt really bad, but I had to get the hell out of there. Caught leaving. That is rough. (laughs) Luckily, however, that guy set the bar very, very low, so I felt like a damn Olympian. You're the best. You're very romantic, and you do really sweet things, and I think people would be very surprised to see just exactly how sweet you are. This ad has been paid for by Corey Graves and is no way endorsed by (laughs) WWE. This was simply a publicity stunt to make you all hate me slightly less. (laughs) You're the best. My next guest has been capturing the hearts and imaginations of the WWE Universe. He is one half of Heavy Machinery, and he is currently living just about every man's dream. 
uh, just about every person's dream in the WWE universe. This Friday, he might be the luckiest guy on the planet. Please welcome Otis. Otis, how are you, sir? Going good, my man. Oh, yes. He's here. <laughs> Here we go. This, this is a good way to wake up. I, I think everyone listening to After the Bell will have no choice but to be uh, on their toes today. So I just have to be brutally honest with you here. I mean, I know you've been in the WWE system. You spent your time in the Performance Center and NXT. Uh, but as far as that goes, you and I, I mean, we've chatted. We've had a couple of cordial conversations. But you were kind of an enigma and a mystery to me, as you are to a lot of the WWE universe. I mean, uh, we've seen your your exploits on SmackDown recently, um, but I don't think that most of our audience has really any idea uh, what makes Otis tick, so to speak, and, and what brought Otis to the WWE. So let's oh, yeah. get a, a little crash course in the history of Otis. Um, I know we, we semi-regularly read some of your uh, amateur wrestling exploits, but I feel like you might be slightly more qualified than I to explain those, so... How'd you get here? <laughs> uh, I knew uh, Gerald Briscoe um, about, I'd say, 2013. I met him, and uh, he was, he got, if uh, no one knows, like Gerald Briscoe, he goes to all the NCAA wrestling events, U.S. Open wrestling events. So when I talked to him, first he thought I was a senior, and I said, well, no, I'm trying to refill a promise to my old man, I'm trying to graduate college and, and all this stuff. And so I told him, I go, yeah, about three years, I'll be ready for you. And then four years later, I was like, did, uh, it was at the NCAA National Championship in St. Louis, Missouri, and had a conversation with them. I said, I think I'm ready for a tryout. And then from there, man, uh, but it was always like, uh, it was always a cool like relationship because he always said like I was like that kind of like entertaining guy to watch wrestling because I'm not really good with technique. I just kind of get after the guy and kind of, you know, kind of like a dogfight kind of just get what you can get. So it was like, uh, he was very entertained by the way I would be on the mat. So he always told me, he goes, I oh, should get, you should get you, get you to the WWE. And I'm like, all right, well, and I always wanted to, too. That was the reason I got into wrestling is because of this, you know, business is because like, I love to be out there and, you know, take somebody on, but also be, you know, entertain, entertaining at the same time. So I got to try, I think in 2000 and, uh, I think 15 or 16. Yeah. So I started April 2016. Right on. Well, you, so you, you got into the amateur wrestling sport because of the sports entertainment business? Absolutely. I walked, it was first grade, I told my mom I wanted to wrestle because I thought, like, because I thought when I watched wrestling, the, uh, like, luchadors were wrestling. I thought they were kids. So I'm like, oh, I'll just wear a mask and wrestle. So <laughs> it's I that went, easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went, I, and I went on, I went there to our first practice in the youth league, and I was like, Mom, where the hell's the rings? And she goes, there is no damn rings. It's real <laughs> wrestling. And I go, oh, I was kind of looking forward to jump off the ropes. That's cool. See, I had a very, I had a very similar experience when I was in elementary school. Uh, and then when I realized that there was no ring and I couldn't jump off the top rope, I just quit the wrestling team. You actually parlayed yep. into a, a successful amateur wrestling career. Uh, so I applaud you for that. Tell me more about this promise you made to your dad that you had to, you had to follow through with college. Yep, uh, he was like, because my, my brother, he's a state patrol cop now, but back in his younger days, uh, I, I basically, like, I'm the baby of the family, I have two older siblings, and they both took forever to get college done, and, and I say forever, is like, yeah, that's my dad's words, and so he, he said, I need you, because I, I have a reading disability, that's like a, like a dyslexic thing, and, and then, you know, Tuck has to go through it all the time, we, we travel, but I have a hard time comprehending words, and so, like, when I see a paragraph, 
I can read it fine, but I just don't know what the heck it said. So that was a challenge through uh, school. Somebody wanted me to graduate college. I'm like, that's going to be rough, man, because high school, you know, it's like, all right, you get somebody to help you out. You show up to the tutoring hours. College, you're kind of on your own. So I just basically told him, I said, Dad, the grades aren't going, doing so well because I had to pass like three math classes and to get for my major. My major wasn't anything great either. I was just kind of doing it for wrestling, you know, and uh, for amateur wrestling. And when uh, I basically told him, I said, Dad, well, I'm giving up college to pursue my first love. That's that's pro wrestling. So I don't mean he'd be mad at me as much as you want, but this is what I decided to do. And uh, he kind of, he understood that at first, because he's very European, very prideful. And uh, he kind of, he slowly started to love it as I, he's, he started seeing me kind of love what I was doing. And we promised me, Brooks to my dad was, that was like, hey, I'm sorry, dad, can't finish college at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> but you eventually came through. There's no time frames on promises to parents, I don't think. Because otherwise, yeah. I'm, I'm probably the greatest disappointment of all time. Uh, just curious, <laughs> what, what is your major? It was a recreation, uh, commercial recreation. So, yeah, I, I did all the rock climbing. You, know, you, you can handle a horse can hold me pretty well. So, so what, while you're uh, taking this journey through college, uh, you uh, held down a an interesting job to some, a job that many of us have spent time doing. Uh, I feel like oh, you yes. would have been an expert at, and that would be the doorman bouncing gig. Yep, yep. I, I basically started really, really small there. I was like. A guy, a guy that was a head bouncer there, Big Zach, the big, the, probably the thickest scruff I've ever seen on a man. He got a motorcycle accident, and uh, the the guy who was the owner at the time at this Andy Max bar in Pueblo, Colorado, he was like, "Hey man, need someone to fill in Zach's position." So I'm just going in there, and I slowly became bouncer into a cook, into a into the like basically the janitor, then uh, then also bartending while bouncing. So yes, I did all. All sorts of jobs in the bar business besides doing the organization, but yeah, it was very interesting on Thursday nights of college night. There's always someone who did someone to someone's girlfriend. Everyone's all liquid courage. Everyone wants to get you know nasty and juicy. So yeah, it was very interesting. Uh, about two and a half years of bouncing for me. There's a uh, there's a book called When We Were Bouncers. There's actually two of them out. A friend of mine from Canada, Paul Lazenby, wrote, and it's full of actors and entertainers and wrestlers that have all spent time and everybody has a litany of insane bouncing stories and ironically enough most of them involve females yep yep they we actually i actually were with paul in uh, vancouver actually and he was like you he wanted me to be on the as, as like a, as a guest on the book and all that and i said cool man you know we sent me a chance to figure out the time there but like oh i didn't i didn't realize you knew him but there you go well done there you go paul there's a free plug <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. Love, love, love me some Paul, man. He's he's so like yeah, he's, he's easy to get to. And uh, we, I was just telling all this, just similar stories, and like it just seems that you know in Pueblo there was you know it's just the girls are always more of the scrappers, man. I don't I don't know how to put it, man. And, They're uh, always ready to fight. I feel like when I when I bounced, if you if you had a good line of BS, so you could talk somebody down, you could calm them down. You almost never had to fight. The point of negotiation, we had Big Mondo and. Uh, Mondo was like, head, I guess he was the, the senior head guy, the bouncing. He's been, been doing it forever. And he would like do absolutely no physical stuff. He would just sit there and point and go, hey, there's something going on over there. <laughs> so I'd go over there. And I was the kind of guy, because I'm only 5'8", you know, and I could kind of sneak around, even though I'm very wide. I would give him the big old squeeze of the death bear hug from behind the boyfriend. So I'd drag him out. But then this girl had a big old glass of like, you know, 16 ounces, some kind of drink. 
and just bashed it over my head. That's probably the hardest I've ever been hit over the head from, from the back. And I was a little dazed, but I still had him in the lock. And big old Mondo comes in and just gives her a big boot to the face. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I didn't, my first <laughs> night working on the job, I just see a girl just get completely bammed. So I, like, I, I've, yet to, I've never touched a girl that way, but it was just like, hey, it was, it was something to see because I did not see that coming because I was still in the daze. But the boyfriend couldn't breathe, so I let him go. Out. <laughs> There's nothing that can prepare you fully for a, a busy bar when the drinks are flowing in Pueblo, oh, Colorado. It, it's always funny because all the girls have no idea what's going on. They're in their heels. They get knocked over. I mean, it's not funny, but it's just like, girls, do you not understand there's a commotion going on? This bar is not that big. <laughs> <laughs> we, all got guys, we all got guys in headlocks here. This girl's scratching my head. ATB faithful, don't move a muscle. We will be right back with a lot more Otis. It sounds uh, sounds as though the stakes and weights have been a uh, part of the Otis identities that predated WWE. Um, I understand you're a bit of a steak connoisseur. This isn't just some uh, catchphrase for TV wrestling. Yes. Oh, yes. We, we and Tucky are fully into the red meat world. I mean, to me, like, I mean, steak, steak to me is just like making love, man. You just got to make sure you like make sure it's out in the fridge for about an hour. Then you start seasoning it, put the olive oil on, the, the salt and the pepper. And then you, to me, I'm a rare man. It has to be nice and red and juicy. So I'll cook that bad boy up. And then, I mean, man, it's just like cooking itself because it became kind of a hobby as a chef kind of thing. So uh, on my Instagram or on, on like uh, certain social medias, I'll post that. Hey, today I'm having some uh, some uh, little neck clams with some pasta, you know, with a nice filet mignon steak, you know, obviously rare and People, people love that stuff because when you get people in public that come up to you, most of the time they go, oh, man, I love that, that meal you made. They, they barely talk about, you know, hey, I saw you – or the worm. The worm or cooking. I never hear anything else from it <laughs> besides like – or I'll get the – are you and Tucky really buddies? Go, hey, man, we're back in Orlando, Florida. Every weekend we had a day off. I was at his house barbecue, and that's just how we do it. You know what I mean? So it's – you know, people see what they get on TV and – He's definitely the better barbecuer, I'd say, because he's the he's, he is amazing on charcoal. But um, for me, I think the pastas are all about me, baby. I can I can make a mean pasta. I'll have to give it a shot someday. But I, I can relate to you on a whole different level because most of the time when I make love, it begins with taking something out of the freezer as well. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I like so to stiff. I like to experience Tucky's grilling. I I, I fancy myself a uh, a I don't want to say master griller, but I I know how how to handle the the tongs, if you will. Oh yes, um, you have a favorite steakhouse now that you get to cu- uh, travel across the country. I haven't really. Uh, this is going to sound crazy, but really haven't got a chance to visit a lot of steakhouses because they always close by ten. You know, by the time we get in uh, work or wrestling, it's kind of like. We kind of we we'll be there by nine thirty, so I don't be that guy to order food so late. But I have been I've been, I've been to the keg in uh, in Toronto, in uh, Vancouver. It's a pretty darn good steakhouse there in up in Canada. But the one steak I love, I gotta I gotta, I gotta put them over. So damn good is the steak from New Orleans at Adolfo's on Frenchman Street. They have an amazing cut of New York strip, made to perfection. What I what I asked for. With this ocean magical sauce that goes on top of it, and it's just—I don't know how to say in words, but it just—that's—it was so so darn good. I asked her what the sauce is. She couldn't tell me it was a secret ingredient, so whatever. But that's probably been my best steak in the states. Probably has been in New Orleans. 
I have eaten at Adolfo's. I have not tried their steak. I went there and I believe I had uh, oysters with Vic Joseph. Oh, you have to have oysters. Oh, yes. It's it's awesome, bro. Quite a time. Quite a time. So, well, let's just say, uh, I mean, I know we will be in Vancouver for your big date this coming Friday night on SmackDown oh, yes. with Mandy. Uh, but this is something you guys have been working with for, for quite some time, dating back to NXT, something more of a social social media gag. How did that all get started? I just would do like uh, like like if you're, if you're if the fans ever seen like Tommy Boy, how he talks to the girls by the pool, like here we know what the weight room is. <laughs> I would just be joking because my, my, when I, I mean honestly, like when I see when I used to see pretty girls, I used to be super duper shy and not say a word to them, and I'd be a little nervous and like I just couldn't talk normally without stuttering. So now, so nowadays, you know, get a little more confidence in you, when you, when you as you get older. In, but I was just, you know, it's, it's Mandy. You know, she grew up with brothers. She's awesome. You know, like the fans are asking, like, how she, how she behind the curtain? I said, she's awesome. And like, you know, she jokes around. You know, and so it slowly started to me. I started doing those Chris Farley stuff to her. You know, at the performance center, like she'd walk by, I'd go, "Hey, you doing my beautiful peach?" And I called like uh, Sonia. Uh, her, I called her my plum. And then like Coach Terramato goes. We need, we, need, we need everyone to have a fruit nickname. I go, well, that's hard to do because we call her a we call her a banana, a strawberry. <laughs> There's somebody in between there. It got out of, it got out of hand where I just I'm pretty good with nicknames. You ran so out of give fruits. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what are the, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna come to call you a skinny. Yes, and the uh, we started with doing, and then like one day I was just sitting down and uh, I was just like, what if I just like because she was posting all of her beautiful pictures online. I said, what if I just just post a picture of her and her modeling pics and say. You look great, babe. And pretty soon, that one post, there was more comments than actual likes because there was so much people just confused what was going on. And then later, <laughs> about a week later on Google, it said when you typed in Otis, it would say Otis and Mandy, are they really married or something like that on, on, on the search bar. So I'm like, oh, man, this is going to get a little tension here. So I just kept trying to be like a pretend creep and like kind of just post like, hey, you look great with this. So I would pretend she was my girlfriend, but it was obvious that at the time she was she was she's not you know what i mean so you just kind of think i was just gonna goof around with and we finally got it going on into, into the wwe world so this is and she's she's awesome to work with too man like you said we, we have a blast so it's basically working for free well you can tell that you guys are having fun i think that's why the segments work so well and everybody enjoys them and you know i make my snide comments but i'm, I'm laughing inside you know um Oh, my mom loves you, brother. She goes, <laughs> who are they? Who, who are they? I can't. I got to say the PG version. She's very angry in Polish, but she's like, who the hell is that guy in the hand desk over there talking bad <laughs> You want mom to get on his ass? Let me get on his ass for you. I'm like, I'm like, mom, he's just, it's just Corey. He's just doing his job, right? You know, and he's, he's half right, basically. No, he's not. You're my boy. You're my son. <laughs> I'm going to incur the wrath of Mama Doe's. Oh no, no, she'd be all right. She'd be all right. She, she, she you know, you, you got to run her in her walker. She'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so to that point, I mean, you're you're enjoying what you're doing now with with uh, Mandy. But how how fun is it to work with Tuck and and all the backstages you guys get to have and and just kind of you, you guys have a lot of freedom to sort of really just have fun on TV. It's like yeah, it's, I was just gonna say like uh, I started three months as a singles guy uh, in, in, in NXT and. We're having fun though, you know, working Velveteen Dream in the opener every time, every you know, coconut loop we were doing, and the uh, <laughs> and then like we just, we got put together, and I was you know I was like hey I don't know I'm, I don't know this guy you know but I get to know him, and about you know it just it's, it became a long way in terms of finding our fine tuning in the ring, but 
Uh, I'm not saying anything we do is fine tuned, by the way. Just saying, like, just just what works for it's us. It's tuned. It's tuned. We don't know how fine. It's, it's just tuned. tuned. <laughs> it's a little tuned up there. And I just like, you know, with in like in real life, like, I think it would be very boring to be a singles guy in the company right now because unless like some they don't get along, but like me and Tuck man became Burris real quick. You know what I mean? I think it was an easy uh, comparing and just like every time I'm on the road, you know, if he's the only time he can't get Tucky to laugh is when he's really tired and crabby. That's the only time. If, he, if, if he's tired and crabby, I stay away from him a little bit. But besides that, I'm giving, giving him crap the whole time. It's, it's, it's a hell of a time, man. It really is. And, you know, we're now we're getting, you know, I think a lot of times, like, we, we show how much like, we're having fun. And, like, you know, the person, you know, obviously, you know, we're both a couple, a couple of guys that love, you know, being loud and all that. Like, I think it's just, just great and, you know, privilege we can just let that out on TV and, Obviously, Manny, you know, she's a perfect lady to do it to. <laughs> You're living my dream for me. Um, <laughs> so you to the point about having fun and, and getting to really kind of be yourself, what inspired the the uh, comedic timing, if you will, that you you bring to the screen? I would say, like, I, cop- I copied a lot of my mother's uh, uh, mannerisms, too, because I always said, like, Please so tell me you only- didn't steal the tongue thing from her. Yes, I did. Yeah, oh. she actually has it. She, I'm not gonna say I learned that from a certain way, but she just she do this thing with her with her mouth, but it made it, it made like a certain sound. She's the only person in the world that does this, and her brother, I guess. But my mom was a very entertaining lady. Like the other pro wrestler in the family is my great grandmother. She was a wrestler in the carnivals. Really? So like, oh yeah. So like her name was Kendall Kate. This back in the day, you know what I mean? Where Yanni Kaufman is, or way before then, they were like, we could take who could who could slam this 300 pound woman in the ring, and they have a plant the crowd and couldn't slam her and she'd throw him off you know so that was her night jobs travel around like different towns and carnivals to wrestle her you know whoever it was that's yeah. absolutely incredible have you spoken to regal about this i'm assuming he does know he was there at a we had a promo class and he was there at one at one monday at the performance center and he was you know, we, were talking, we were talking about it too and he just and but he says anybody else in the, was working i said no just kind of the thing where if you have seven kids back then you got to feed them, right? So that was your night job, and that was what she did. Because she was a, about five five, two eighty, as a big Greek woman. So and she raised my mom basically. But my mom would have been a heck of a entertaining comedian. I, I always tell that. So I basically a lot of my stuff I do on TV is very much inspired by her. Just what she would tell me if she was mad or happy, you know. And and the Chris Farley thing is really by accident because like I do see a lot of equal comparisons, but it wasn't on purpose. Like I kind of just went. Oh, I, I, okay, I do sound like Chris when I do this or whatever. But nowadays, I do I do study Chris a lot. Like, if there's ever a Chris Farley movie coming out, I'll be the one to play it. I don't think anybody else could play Chris Farley better than me. You'll get no argument from me. I, I saw it from day one when I finally got to see you open up and show your personality. That was immediately I, – I thought it was more of a, a conscious decision to do so. But just the yeah. movements and, and, hey, man, there's there's no shame in being compared to uh, one of the greatest of all time. Oh, man. It's just, you know, it's, it's just one of those like Martin Hammond – like uh, what was it, like John Candy man- mannerisms yep. and like and uh, basically a little little bit of Savage there, you know, it's just, just like little little like tilts of the head or you know hand gestures from Savage, but you know he's gonna take whatever you know thing. But it's really just like when I'm out there, like Tuck will always will always tell you like he'll say I look over to the ring, I don't know what the hell he's doing half the time. He's just shaking his hips and his ass, and you know <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> in your own I, little I, world. So that's what Tuck said. I'm in my own little world. Like he always knows we're getting. If I'm getting too excited for a match, I can't sit still. I'm just pacing back and forth, you know, doing the same stuff to myself. And so yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'm basically trying to control a little animal over here, you know, <laughs> around the ring and stuff. Because, but yeah, Tuck's definitely have a better, definitely uh, better in control of his emotions than I am. I guess I guess you just let it out there when you're out there, you know. I mean, 
pay, 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 pay bills that people want it to. It's like, give it to them, baby. The whole world is a stage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> tell me, tell me a little bit more about the about your mom and your grandmother's inspiration on you. Uh, give me, give me some of the Mama Otisisms. She would sing uh, "Come Together" by uh, the Beatles, and uh, or she would be like, uh, "How do how you how do you, I'm gonna sing like a little verse, but she would like, "We go flat up, she's got G G A bells and a E," and she pointed at me while she said it. And you name me, baby. And she said a come together song. My grandma heard she was just back in her day. She'd watch all roller derby or pro wrestling on TV. There was nothing else on the TV, not even the news. Like, I guess she just loved cigarettes and loved uh, uh, bacon neck. So, or, uh, or pig neck. So that was like their, her majority diet. So yeah, we're, we're, we got a great history of, uh, of uh, high blood pressure and uh, heart heart goodness right here in the side of the family. <laughs> <laughs> what what? Okay, so I've got a lot of questions. The more this interview goes on, the more I'm I'm enamored. What is pig neck? Pig neck? Oh, just you know the neck of the pig. Like uh, is it majority. Uh, it's, I think it's more like a European thing. Like you would get most of your bacon from the neck. Like it's very rare you get it from the pork belly. So like they will just like. Cause I we used to make like uh, like barbecues around the, the neighborhood at my at my place in, in hometown of Superior, Wisconsin. They would we would have a like a rotisserie pig out in the backyard. So like we're very used to eating pig and like so I basically if I ever get married, you know we're you know like I basically she the the my wife, my wife has to eat the head of a hog with me. That's a tr- tradition. Okay, so hey, thought- so just stop right there. I don't I don't want you to ever bring that up until we get through Friday because I don't think even Mandy would be <laughs> all right with that. Sounds to me that intentionally or otherwise, you were kind of born for this. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my coaches would say, like, you know, oh, you're just you're just all show business, you know, like you're go, but you're just too much show business. You gotta not worry about that. I go, I'm sorry, guys, just kinda doing as I do it though. But yeah, but we came to when it came to you know, wrestling and being serious, I was, but you know, anytime you're with the you're with the boys on the bus, you know what I mean. You're having a good time. Come on, man, let let, let, let it out. You know what I mean. It's, it's just natural, just a you know, like going to a grocery store. You know, I can always ask a clerk and make her make her laugh or whatever. It's just it's cool, man. I don't know, whatever. You have no idea how badly I needed that point of view just now, man. I appreciate that <laughs> so much. It's very rare, you know, especially in the the lifestyle we lead, man. It's it's uh, needs to be complimented. So I, I definitely appreciate that. Looking beyond the potential to have a wonderful family and 10,000 babies with Mandy Rose. What yes. does what does Otis hope to accomplish in WWE? Definitely get like a, a big old match on the WrestleMania car with Tucky. Just work anybody. I love working with everybody here. I mean, everyone here is like, they all get, they all get their different kind of tunes, as we said, but everyone like, you know, everyone loves, everyone, you know, has a tune for everybody. And uh, definitely if you get me and Tucky on, on the WrestleMania stage, it'd be awesome. And, and for the championship, you know, whatever comes, you know, I mean, I let somebody else stir my steering wheel, you know what I mean? Like, as in like the good Lord or above. So I just kind of like, you know, whatever, whatever comes up, comes up, but definitely stay consistent with like a training with Gable and getting ready for that opportunity, man. Cause you know, what's going to come, you know, it could come today, could come from years from now or tomorrow, who knows? So that's basically the first thing on my mind is me and Tucky walking down that big stage at WrestleMania for the tag team titles on the line. Here we go. Cage match. Cage match. I like that. Well, Otis, wherever your steering wheel leads you, man, get there safely. Enjoy the ride. Uh, I am excited. Oh, I'm yes. having a fun, fun time watching it. And uh, thanks for your time today, man. Absolutely, man. I think it was my first interview ever, I think. Well, hopefully I didn't screw it up or scar you too bad. Let's do it again. I feel like I want to delve way deeper into the Otis family tree. 
Let's do it, man. Anytime, man. Just let me know. Right on. I will see you in the great white north this Friday at SmackDown. Good luck on your date. All right, my man. Thank you, my man. Take care. If you're listening to After the Bell on Thursday, Valentine's Day is tomorrow, so consider this your last possible warning. Go buy some flowers, buy a card, buy some chocolates. If she says she doesn't want anything, I swear to God, she does. That's just a thing that people do so you don't feel obligated, but I'm telling you, you're obligated. That's some advice from Corey Graves, world champion of love. And on that same note, I'm going to leave you with some Valentine's Day zen. It comes from the great Charles Bukowski in a letter that says, My dear, find what you love and let it kill you. Let it drain you of your all. Let it cling onto your back and weigh you down into eventual nothingness. Let it kill you and let it devour your remains, for all things will kill you, both slowly and fastly. But it's much better to be killed by a lover. If that's not romance, boys and girls, I don't know what is. That's some zen. I'm full of it. Thank you to Carmella and Otis for their time. Make sure you follow at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Use the hashtag After the Bell. Join the conversation. Por favor, if you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, or your podcast app of choice so that you never miss an episode. And then no one will make fun of you because you will be just as enlightened as everybody else. If you're truly enlightened, you got to give me some credit. Throw me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Help spread the word of ATB. Follow me at WWE Graves on Instagram, on Twitter. I will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. This has been an original WWE podcast.